0: You're listening to the the Briefing Show, podcast, on FM. Alrighty, 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 alrighty. Hello, my name is Jason Bett, and welcome to my podcast, The Conscious Briefing Podcast. It is Saturday afternoon, the 8th of June, 2019, 2 o'clock. Okay, well, not exactly. I don't think it's... Oh, sorry. I'm I'm, I'm not using the microphone that I normally use. You know, before we get into the podcast, let me just explain what microphone. I'm using this uh, condenser mic of mine, and you know condenser mics require a lot of silence and... um, I'm at my daughter's house because, Telkom, 12 o'clock the afternoon, they decide to send an SMS saying that um, there will be no internet services from 2 o'clock today, that's now, currently, until Monday. How lovely, how lovely. Thank you, Telkom, for inconvenience me. I mean, I like to sit in my own house, in my room, in my podcast room, you know, where it's quiet, it's nice and soundproof. Uh, uh, this this microphone is very very sensitive. It it if if it if you hear the dogs barking on the background, please guys, I, I'm please accept my humblest apologies. <laughs> if if my daughter's gone to the shop now, if she comes back and she's gonna bang the keys on the table, I'm gonna oh, I did ask her please not to, but you you know my daughter, she's gonna say, Dad, I don't care. This is my house. <laughs> it's okay. So guys, yeah. Um, I, I like to use my low noise mic that, That's why I use a low noise Where you put your mouth in it And then it only picks up your voice It doesn't pick up any background noise But anyway, you know, enough of that jibber jabber Today's podcast is about the Constitution And my special guest with, uh, with me today My podcast is Martin von, Straden, von Staden, Sorry about that, sorry Um He's here, he's here today in his own capacity, private capacity, um, as an individual, as an individual of South Africa. I mean, after all, that's what we are. We are all individuals. He knows his knowledge on the Constitution is, is awesome. Um, he, he knows the Constitution. Unlike me, I, I don't know the Constitution I mean, I might know some laws and I know some rights and that, but thats I I think it's basically common sense. It's common logic sense that you know certain rights. I I think it's you you know the rights that you have to know. But there's a lot of rights out there and laws out there that we don't know, that we're not fully aware of. So you know what? In essence, we are the uninformed. So the uninformed, which is me, namely me, and there's there's lots of you out there that don't understand the Constitution. So this is why I brought... That's why I'm bringing Martin onto the, the podcast today, so that he can give us. Well, I've I've got have summarised a couple of questions, asking him what's the constitution is. So we we're gonna go into this. Is gonna be an awesome podcast. It, it, the reason for this podcast, you know, yeah, do we, we just we need we need we need help. We need help. We need help. Okay, cool. Enough jibber jabber. I'm going on you. I'm not, I'm not making sense. Let's let's call Martin. All right. Cool. I'm going to get Martin on the line. Hi, Martin. Are you there?
1: Hey, Jason. Yeah, thanks oh, for having me.
0: Lovely. I am absolute... It's an absolute pleasure for you to have my podcast today. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about... Uh, I did an introduction already. So we're going to be talking about the, the Constitution. But before we go there, what do you, what do you think about this GDP? Minus 32 <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, everyone's surprised. I I wouldn't say I'm surprised. Uh, this is this is the consequence of uh, many many years of making very bad policy decisions, going down a socialist rabbit hole, and uh, yeah, I don't know. People thought this new dawn is gonna turn everything around, but. Uh, I've never seen any indication that President Ramaphosa is more of a free marketeer than his uh, friends in government. Yeah. Uh, in fact, he, I've seen the exact opposite. Uh, he co-wrote a book on constitutional law, in I think the year two thousand, with uh, Professor Ziad Motala. Uh, and it's not like when I read the section on property rights and uh, and free uh, and and uh, the role of the state in the market uh that he wrote i'm it's not like i get the idea that he's this uh capitalist paragon yeah. instead i get very much the idea that he is just as much of a socialist as the rest, rest of them so yeah this is obviously the gdp contracting it's 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 a foregone conclusion minimum wage fifteen thousand domestic workers out of a yeah. job unemployment approaching 10 million it's it it's so obvious that this is going to happen and it's obviously <laughs> going to get much much worse if a government doesn't have a a eureka moment and say wow we're really operating under the wrong philosophy here
0: yeah look a, l- a lot of people are saying we, we need to be positive uh, Poses is going to do good i suppose to a certain extent we can see he has done some good but yeah you know us africans we, we're not patient <laughs> we want to <laughs> now we want to see results now and, and this is the problem <laughs> that is true yeah <laughs> yeah it's true all right martin let's uh give a quick introduction uh, let the listeners out there Tell the
1: listeners at at the who you are okay sure uh, so i am martin von staden um i i guess I describe myself as a writer and a jurist uh i I'm very much into jurisprudence and uh, law especially public law, which includes constitutional law that's very much my uh my hobby i wouldn't describe myself as a, as an expert at all uh, i uh, there are many other people who have read far more about the south african constitution than i have and know far more but it's definitely something that i think i bring uh, a new perspective to especially given that i am very much a libertarian someone mm-hmm. who believes in the primacy of individual liberty the primacy of free markets, and you don't see that very often amongst uh, uh, academic lawyers and lawyers in general mm-hmm. in south africa so that's uh, that's what i hope to bring to the table now i have written a, a book on constitutionalism it's called the constitution and the rule of law uh-huh. um, you can find more information about that on my website. Uh, I will definitely provide the link, the link to that. Please do, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm 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 very much a passionate. Yeah, I do podcasts very rarely. Yes, uh, uh, because I I much much more prefer writing. So, uh, I've I've written quite a bit. I am the uh, editor in chief of uh, Being Libertarian. Uh, it's an international uh, libertarian uh, publication. Uh, we weird i think one of the biggest uh, libertarian facebook pages uh, on uh, yeah, on facebook uh, with over, over a million followers um and the rational standard which many south africans who are of a libertarian mind may be familiar with mm-hmm. uh, that is part of the being libertarian family so uh, i'm also an, an editor there um and yeah that's that's basically what what i'm all about it's for me it's about writing about freedom writing about free markets writing yeah, about yeah. law from this liberal libertarian perspective and uh basically getting getting ordinary people to to adopt or not necessarily adopt but maybe to think think through uh things that that they they probably think are foregone conclusions or or are set in stone for example the idea that government must hold our hands through everything that's something that uh, me and many libertarian writers try to challenge, uh, even even in terms of, of uh, for example, the Constitution, which many people think is this socialist document, but that is not necessarily the case. So yeah, that's that's a, a short summary of, of uh, what I'm up to uh, in my daily life. But as I said, on my website, you can find a far more comprehensive uh, version of, of this introduction
0: yeah and listeners out there martin will put, put links in i will also provide it in my description after the podcast so martin before okay leading up to my first question um the reason for this podcast a lot of us a lot of us of africans we don't know the constitution i think i think to a certain extent we know a little bit of what we need to know so yeah so let's go let me just paste my question here here we go what is the constitution what is our constitution
1: Okay. So uh, as the name implies, a constitution is a constitutive instrument. It creates something and then it also provides the framework for how that thing can operate. So it's very much like a contract. Uh, You set out the details of your relationship and you say what the parties may and may not do, what they have to do. That is very much what a constitution is, but Mm. uh, on the level of a government. So a constitution establishes a government and says how that government may operate, what it can do and what it cannot do. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, it it does get a little bit complex because in uh, countries like the United Kingdom and in South Africa before the year 1993, uh, we also had a constitution, but it was not a written constitution. And in those circumstances, the constitution basically just says how things are politically so you have the queen parliament and government and the devolved legislatures and municipalities in the united kingdom and that is britain's constitution so it's not written down anywhere but it's something that you that you see when you look at britain Um, and that was basically the same in south africa before we adopted um, the written uh, interim constitution in 1993 we did not have a written constitution we had a parliament uh the state presidency and for a while they're uh, the prime minister before 1983 mm-hmm. uh, so that was our constitution so uh, uh but most of the world has constitutions in written as in, a written instrument and I think the first one was the United States Constitution which is the most well constitution and it's it's like a contract like I like I mentioned now what we usually talk about in south africa in in ordinary everyday uh, uh engagement and parlance is basically we're talking about the Bill of rights it's very rare when we talk about the constitution that we're actually talking about like the composition of the national assembly which is also in the constitution we're usually talking about the Bill of rights which mm, is in mm. uh, chapter two of the constitution and th- this is where um a number of protections for individual and human rights are set out. And uh, this this comes to what I believe and what uh, many constitutional philosophers believe, but there is obviously some disagreement about this, what the real um, purpose of a constitution is, and that is to limit the power of government. So uh, uh, constitutions are part of the the tradition of constitutionalism. It's also a word that we uh, hear often in ordinary, uh, uh, from the media specifically, um, and that's also very much a misunderstood word, but constitutionalism is this idea that no government has or should have unlimited power. So that is, in a nutshell, what a constitution is. It's a a document.
0: Martin? Martin,
1: must act. Yes. And the moment it steps outside of that framework, it is acting unconstitutionally and it can be, uh, it can be punished, uh, for lack of a better word, to get it back inside the framework.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, do you see what I put down here? I put um, the first constitution was in 1910 when the country became a union. Uh, the second constitution was in 1961 when uh, South Africa was declared a republic. Then in 1983 and then 1994, But then it came into existence in February of 97. I think that was when Mandela, or was it 96? I got you 97. When Mandela brought it across uh, to news outlets, it has been hailed as one of the progressive constitutions in the world by global standards. And then also. (laughs) Okay, sorry about that, listeners. The internet kicked me off, but I'm back. Where was I? I said I was talking about yeah the the I don't know where we are cut off now. But the year in nineteen ninety four, where the constitution was made up, and then nineteen ninety seven, Mandela brought it across. And then, according to news outlets, um, our constitution has been hailed as one of the progressive constitutions in the world by global standards. How true is that? Is is there any well, truth?
1: The, the, the term is usually it's the best constitution in the world and that is how you uh, you need to decide what uh, measure you're going to measure the constitution by. Now, if, if they say it's the, progre- the most progressive constitution, that, that may be one of the case, uh, may be the case if they regard it as in this light of progressivism where government must play a, a redistributionist role to take wealth from the haves and give to the haves, not, have-nots. Um, but that is, uh, to my mind, not really how a constitution should be measured, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, and I hope this wasn't cut out, unfortunately, uh, now, uh, yeah. that the purpose of a constitution uh, is, is to limit the power of government uh, within uh, the tradition known as constitutionalism, which is the, the, the idea that no government has or should have unlimited power, that government's power must always be limited, and that is how any constitution should be read. Now, as far as the uh, the constitution of South Africa is concerned, uh, it does have its good and its bad, uh, bad sides. Um, now, if, if to say that it's the best constitution in the world by this measure of limiting government, I cannot agree with that. Um, Because other constitutions, uh, like the Constitution of the United States uh, and perhaps the Constitution of Switzerland, have been far more effective at constraining uh, the central government's power than as the the Constitution of South Africa. Now, that is not to say that it's a bad constitution. I think it has many good sides and I think it has been successful in, in limiting the power of government. Uh, but but I can mention a, f- a few of, of the issues that I have identified, um, and then some of the good sides of the Constitution in this regard. Um, so something that is not uh, often talked about, but something that uh, anyone will notice if they they read the Constitution, is how it sees itself in time. So it's temporal... Dimension. So throughout the text, and specifically in the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. the Constitution tells the government that it needs to right the wrongs of the past. Yeah. It must uh, uh, redress uh, past discrimination, and there is no expiration date on these provisions, which means that the South African government will and and it has already done this always justify any bad and invasive things that it does by saying it is simply righting the wrongs of the past as the constitution uh, uh, taught it to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's now 25 years after apartheid ended. And we still, uh, and of course, we still see the system's legacy around us with uh, great poverty and so forth. Uh, but the more time passes, the more it will only become an, uh, a convenient political excuse to keep saying, yes, we're doing this to right the wrongs of the past. I mean, in the year 2060, how can you still say that? So mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate that the Constitution... Uh, Uh, didn't give a time frame to government to work with before these uh, ideas that government can just endlessly redress and redress and redress without any real rational justification. Uh, And I mean expropriation without compensation, which I'm sure we'll get to a bit later, is one of the big examples of this. where where government is just saying but of course we need to expropriate private property without compensation because the constitution says we need to redress the past uh so that that temporal issue in the constitution is something that i think uh is quite unfortunate but but perhaps to make it a bit more um a less abstract, I guess, Hmm. is to take one of the procedural aspects of the Constitution or the technical aspects, and that is uh, how Parliament is composed. So uh, we know that Parliament uh, consists of the National Assembly, that is basically where most of the power resides, that's where the president is chosen. But then it also has this thing called the National Council of Provinces or the NCOP, which is the upper house of Parliament. Now the NCOP is basically a federal institution. It is meant to represent the interest of provinces on the national level mm-hmm. and to be a, a check and a balance on the National Assembly to ensure that they don't uh, enact any laws that go against provincial interests. But uh, of course, South Africa is not a federation, even though people talk about South Africa as a so-called cooperative uh, federation or cooperative federalism. That's just uh, that's nonsense. We're not completely a unitary state, but we do lean closer to having a strong central government rather than a type of competitive federal Federalism, like you see in Canada or,
0: or, America. America, or Switzerland. Yeah, America. Yeah, America. Yeah, America. Yeah. America is like federalism. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's it's a it's a very competitive federalism in America, where, for example, the president may say we're restricting immigration, and then some city or something in California will say, "Well, you can do that, but we're now a sanctuary city, and, and, and we're going to allow happening. illegal immigrants." Yeah, that's what's yeah, happening. Exactly. Yeah, so, it's happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, happening. Yeah. That's good because I think uh, uh, when when different levels of government compete with each other, basically in a in an adversarial adversarial relationship, that benefits the people because government is then infighting with itself rather mm. than fighting against the people. So in South Africa, we have this NCOP, which is meant for a federation like America, but instead we have this in a, in the unitary the state that we have. And it acts as a rubber stamp for the National Assembly, Mm -hmm. uh, because if if we're honest with ourselves, we don't have separate provincial and national interests in South Africa. Mm -hmm. We have the same problems in every province. In every province, we have the same wage disputes, we have the same corruption, we have the same uh, mentality, I guess, of governance. Uh, The Western Cape, yeah, you can make an argument, maybe that's a bit different there, but I think on the whole, there is no real difference between national and provincial interests in South Africa. So uh, we would have done better uh, if we had a directly elected uh, Senate, for example, as an upper house, Mm -hmm. that that we can choose a specific representative for our district and hold them accountable to ensure that they also also provide a real strong check on the National Assembly. Mm -hmm. Instead, we have this uh, this NCOP, which I mean, if we're honest, nobody really cares about it. I mean, I did an interview with a uh, newsroom Africa the other day on the uh, day of inauguration, when when all the uh, the parliamentarians were being sworn in. And I mean, the, the focus was totally on the National Assembly. Uh, the National Council of Provinces wasn't mentioned once, which was also getting sworn in the next day. So it's, uh, it's really something that nobody cares about. It serves no real purpose. A lot of academics may get very offended that I yeah. say this, but, but it's, it's simply a fact it's, that the NCOP does nothing.
0: <laughs> it's it's, um, it's kind of like, you know, we're not meant to know. Um, the majority especially. Yeah. We're, not, we're not meant to know. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah, and and that's 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 unfortunate because if more people were uh, aware of this institution that was created apparently for some kind of constitutional purpose, maybe we we would have been calling for reform by now. We would have yes. said, "Listen, get rid of this thing." And replace it like in Canada, where they're saying abolish the Senate, uh, the upper house of their parliament, because it's totally appointed, nobody is elected. So they're saying get rid of it or House of Lords in, uh, in the United Kingdom, which is also hereditary. You inherit your seat in the House of Lords or you get appointed, where a lot of people are saying reform this, take it away or reform it. In South Africa, there is none of that because people simply do not know and do not understand. Yeah. But but to to get away from perhaps the more negative sides of the constitution, um, as far as democracy goes, I think the constitution does quite well, even though government doesn't really live up to it. Um, so, if, for example, as we know, um, we have a system of proportional representation uh, rather than a, a first past the post system, whereby we elect political parties, and this. So while it does have its own downsides, it means that minority interests will also get represented in parliament. So Mm. uh, with about 30,000 votes, a party can get a seat in parliament. Whereas if we had a first-past-the-post system like the United States, like uh, the UK, uh, we would have only had the ANC and the DA and perhaps... The ifp in parliament there would mm. be no other party in parliament and the anc's majority would probably be far greater than it currently is and absolutely the anc will probably govern the western cape today uh which is uh or or perhaps not today but it would have governed the western cape for a, uh, a longer period uh than than when the da came in yeah. so i think the proportional representation that uh, uh, the constitution brought in um is on the whole a good feature. Uh, and also the constitution recognizes public participation, uh, which says that if uh, if you're a South African citizen, or I don't even think that's necessary, you can uh, participate in the process of creating law creating policy uh you can submit your comments uh and government is constitutionally required to take this seriously even though it doesn't uh, basically it sees that as a formality whereby yes uh, you can send your your comments in nobody reads it yeah. they say noted thank you very much and they they do whatever they want um but but of course for your listeners i think it's very important that uh more people do actually get involved in in this this uh structure this institution that government uh that not not that government gave us but which the constitution gave us and i would recommend they visit uh uh, the two websites dearsouthafrica.co.za and uh and pmg which is the parliamentary monitoring group it's uh, pmg.org.za which if you look around on those websites you uh you can find information about what government is currently busy with and how you can provide your input. Uh, and I, I would recommend your listeners have a look at that. So so yeah, awesome. these are just a few things that our constitution
0: awesome. Awesome. Uh,
1: gave us. A few bad sides, a few good sides. Not the best constitution in the world by far, but it's also not not particularly terrible.
0: Yeah. Our next question, I don't know, should we skip it? I think we touched you touched a lot of it. Uh, what is the purpose of the government? We're gonna skip it um I, I
1: can mention uh, just just a few more notes on that uh, just to, to to put it quite uh, clearly. so obviously uh, there are many ideologies uh, uh, socialism, liberalism, all of them conceive of government differently, yeah. but within the liberal constitutional paradigm under which most of the world exists today, the governments are always to protect and give effect to 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 the rights of the people under its jurisdiction, and this is of course where the bill of rights comes in. Uh, government with uh, these bills of rights provide the government with the necessary guidance to ensure that they know how to to give effect to this purpose um, yeah. now of course uh, as your lo- your listeners may know you have this uh you have strict liberals like libertarians like myself uh, who think that uh, that government must be strictly limited to protecting property rights and to protecting uh, uh liberty and so forth and not really engage in this uh, and, and that's more on this the right nanny state. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. people will say it's on the right, and I think under a certain conception, it is on the right. Um, although it does, uh, it's a bit different from conservatism. Um, mm. But then you have have more fin liberals, I guess, uh, which which people would say is the left, which believe that government should create an an environment for prosperity, do you, do you or ahead. itself try, yeah, or itself should try to make people prosper, and 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 specifically relevant to our conversation about the constitution is that i think that once you go down this route of saying government must make people prosperous or government must create an environment for prosperity uh, that 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 idea is incompatible with constitutionalism uh, because if you think of constitutionalism as limiting government The moment you start saying government must make people prosper, you're giving it an open-ended mandate Mm. to basically decide for itself what prosperity means. Nowadays, uh, there are people calling for uh, data access to be made a human right, meaning that uh, government is going to force... Uh, companies like internet service providers to provide data cheaply or freely. Mm. Uh, and that is all in the name of government making people prosper. And as far as I'm concerned, that is not part of the mandate of government. It's not part of the purpose of government. And it's totally incompatible with a, uh, a conception of constitutionalism.
0: In layman terms, it's just making people lazy. You know, yeah, people yes. need to stand up. I mean, that's why the people you know that are on the right it's individualism you get up there you do things for yourself go to school study study hard (laughs) because the rewards are there it reaps afterwards if you study hard but yeah exactly all right our next question um what is democracy and can it work
1: Okay. Yeah. So this this is a very relevant question when it comes to to constitutions and constitutionalism, uh, because in in our everyday uh, discourse, we often uh, use the word democracy and freedom and the constitution, all of these things, basically as one. Um, but but. Uh, to, to get this democracy specifically, most people think of it as majority rule. If after people plus one decide to do something, that thing must then happen. Mm-hmm. And I think this is certainly part of what democracy is, but you cannot see that as the whole story, uh, especially when you talk about uh, uh, the role of a constitution. So uh, for example, in Switzerland, which I've mentioned a few times now, it has a form of direct democracy through referendums, uh, recall elections. So every uh, 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 what a swiss swiss person uh, is allowed to participate in government and uh, a law cannot be passed unless uh, most uh, swiss people vote for it in a referendum mm-hmm. and they can propose their own laws through a referendum um, so this is probably the purest form of democracy that exists in the world today um but even if, for instance, in a canton, a Swiss province, the majority of people there decide that they want to do something and there's a substantial minority that disagrees with that, they can decide to form their own canton. So they can break away mm-hmm. and then they can opt out of whatever this majority decided. And I think uh, it once, once happened in California, which is also a direct democracy when it comes to its ballot initiatives. Uh People were asked to vote on a new government project, which they wanted, but then they were also asked to vote on how that project should be funded. Mm. Uh, and when they realized that the only option was to raise taxes on themselves, they voted against the project. So this is to say that democracy can take many different forms. Uh, and... and uh, what those that simply entrench majority rule this 50 plus plus one uh, notion that is a flaw to democracy mm. because it 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 sometimes excludes half of the whole population from decision making and I don't think you can call a uh, any political dispensation legitimate if if it only represents about half of those who it governs. Mm. It cannot be legitimate in, in those circumstances. Um, and, and I think it's also true to say that a democracy that has no limit on democracy but totally unbridled democracy cannot last. It's totally in- unsustainable because at some point, the population is going to want to give a strongman uh, like Vladimir Putin, like Donald Trump, like Cyril mm. Mopoza, they are going to want to give this popular strongman dictatorial power, mm. uh, especially if they're charismatic, if they uh, talk about helping the people, and but they just need some more power. Uh, at some point, the people are going to say, okay, please do this for us. And they're going to give him that power, and then democracy ends. So uh, we modify the majoritarian principle in most democracies around the world today, um, because if that principle is left undiluted and pure, then democracy defeats itself. And uh, so that is why most democracies, including South Africa's, is a liberal constitutional democracy, mm-hmm. which means that the major, majoritarian principle is applied but limited by the Constitution and specifically the Bill of Rights, and then of course by the courts, which can overrule or circumvent the will of the majority when it is necessary to give effect to the limitations in the Constitution. Uh, So as as I've already also mentioned is uh, public participation, which is another way of modifying uh, democracy. Uh, It's not just people go and vote and say, we want this law and there it goes, uh, or we want this party and there it goes. The people also participate at every level to formulate policy, then to formulate the law, and then to formulate uh, the regulations in terms of the law. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so that's also a limiting principle, because uh, very uh, very few people uh, really want to have the time or the inclination to get involved in this. Uh, but it's 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 basically another way to to say democracy is modified. And it, you must play a role as a citizen, sure. uh, rather than be, a, 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 I don't know, a, an uninterested observer, because this uh, this affects you. So, yeah, there are many ways that democracies are, are modified. It's the, the core of democracy is this idea that the people govern themselves, uh, and this is mostly uh, uh, manifested through the majoritarian principle but limited and you ask can it work i think definitely it does it work uh, throughout the world uh but it can only work under circumstances where where the principle itself the majoritarian principle is yes. limited and modified
0: that's that's what i was th- thinking here yeah, because i mean we are a nanny state uh the majority like a nanny yeah. state so how, how can it work when we are all like nannies like a nanny state yeah, that just just won't work all right next question how does uh the sa constitution measure up to this in everything we were saying Yeah. Sure. So, so
1: as i mentioned earlier uh, the constitution is not the best in the world uh there are there are some problems uh, some substantial problems like that temporal dimension um like uh, like the the useless national council of provinces there's also the the provision that allows the, man- the president to appoint and fire ministers as it pleases him, uh, almost arbitrarily. Mm. And we saw that, of course, a few years ago of Jacob Zuma and the finance ministry. When we had Ntlantla uh, Nene, and then we van had uh, Desh van Roy yeah, yeah, our weekend right. minister. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we had Pravin Gordon back, and then Roma Poza appointed, or where was it still, Zuma appointed and, Malusi Gigaba, and then and we and, have Pravin Gordon back again. And uh, I mean, geez,
0: All these changes. I mean, that, that's... That damages yeah. the rend, eh? Our rent supplement. Exactly. Yeah
1: exactly and that's that's one of the the unfortunate parts of the constitution because it gives the president this power to just appoint and dismiss and appoint and dismiss as it as it pleases him mm. now of course um the beloved rights uh we have these the social socioeconomic rights and I, and I must emphasize that the problem here is more in how the constitution is interpreted rather than what it actually says mm. so um a, lo- a lot of these so-called welfare rights do not necessarily have to be interpreted as that for example the right to housing there is Mm. no right to housing it's the right to have access to housing uh, and 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 water it's not the right to water it's the right to have access to water and unfortunately our government and our courts have interpreted as being a positive right as far as government action is concerned meaning government must provide water must provide housing And i mean we've seen that this is not really practical in our current economic uh, context because this government cannot afford it because the taxpayers cannot uh, perpetually carry government so it would have been far more uh, appropriate i would say for for the courts to say these rights mean that government must not stand in your way of providing for your own housing and for your own water yes. and rather than government must provide it itself so the Bill of Rights can be read in more than one way. Uh, And I think the problem comes in uh, for how the courts have read it uh, in in what I would say is a very inappropriate way. So the Constitution itself probably is is okay when it comes to to the Bill of Rights, but uh, we cannot separate out how it has has, uh, been read. And unfortunately, when when we talk about... uh, about how the constitution then measures up to this ideal of a constitution that limits government uh it hasn't lived up to that particularly well when it comes to the so-called welfare rights in Mm. the constitution Uh, but as far as it goes with like freedom of expression uh and, and so forth i think the constitution is pretty good there um and like I mentioned, it's, uh, as far as democracy and democratic governance goes, I think the Constitution is, is particularly is, is good uh, mm. insofar as it provides for a democratic state. Unfortunately, of course, the government often doesn't care what the Constitution says, so uh, it that, doesn't really yep, help if that's the Constitution the thing. says it. Yeah.
0: That's the thing. Like, they <laughs> exactly. don't care what the Constitution says. So yeah. um, <laughs> does the Constitution allow the courts or the president himself to make law? Uh,
1: Uh, So, uh, yeah, lawmaking lawmaking is is a parliamentary function. Uh, So as I mentioned, parliament is composed of two houses. It's the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces, that useless institution, and they make law on the national level. uh, Mm -hmm. So a majority of each house. Uh, On the provincial level, you have the provincial legislatures and on the municipal level, you have local councils and each of these institutions make law. Mm. The president also participates in lawmaking, although he does not uh, make the law itself uh, because he has to sign any national law before it becomes operative. Mm. Um, but of course, we shouldn't allow uh, all the talk about the Constitution to confuse us about uh, the real politic in South Africa, which is um, that the president of South Africa is usually also the president of the ruling party, in mm. this case, the ANC. And this means that he likely plays a far bigger role in lawmaking than what the constitution says he must, because his party obviously has to approve a law before they allow their representatives in parliament to propose and pass it. So um in his capacity as president of south africa his official role is limited to signing legislation into law and overseeing the executive which is responsible for enforcing the law but mm-hmm. in his capacity as the president of the aac and a member of the anc's national executive committee uh, he probably plays a far more hands-on role in lawmaking which i would argue is is not good because uh, the separation of powers means that the the executive and the legislature are separated in function and in, st- and in uh, staffing, so you don't have the same people doing the same thing. Yeah. To ensure that we don't have a concentration of power, unfortunately, the party system in South Africa means that whatever the separation of power says is irrelevant because there's basically only one institution that makes decisions and that is simply the anc it doesn't matter about parliament it doesn't matter the presidency you only have to look at the party itself and see how uh, power is truly distributed and that is what uh, professor quest malan which is my uh my master supervisor but he's also a a public commentator on constitutionalism he calls this the real constitution in south africa it's Mm. not the the constitution as written is no longer the real constitution because uh, what it says is not what's happening in real life in real life the power is centralized in the African National Congress, uh, and rather than separated between the judiciary, the legislature, and the executive. Uh, But to to get back to whether the courts make law, so that's a very philosophical question that legal academics are still struggling with. But officially and on paper, they do not make law. Uh, mm-hmm. The courts simply interpret the law. They they find so-called find the law, what it means, what it says, and then they apply that to the cases that come before them. But in practice, many people, uh, and I would probably count myself among them, would argue that the courts do make law and that this is unavoidable um, because, of course, in the process of interpreting a law, it often happens that the courts need to make a value judgment to discover what the most legally appropriate meaning of a provision is. Mm. and in. Uh, um, and many courts and judges disagree about how to do this. And that obviously means that it often depends on the type of judge or bench of judges that you get. Uh, and and uh, from one bench to the other, they may disagree radically about what the law means, and that means that the law changes upon their judgment. So, uh, for example, the terrible, terrible case of Agrius A versus uh, uh, Minister for Minerals and Energy in 2013, uh, where they interpreted the uh, the property rights laws in the Constitution as against the Mineral and Petroleum Resources Development Act. The court, the Constitutional Court, basically said that government is allowed to expropriate without compensation mm-hmm. the minerals beneath the surface from their private owners, uh, which. I would argue the constitution absolutely does not allow but the court in interpreting the provision said that the constitution does allow that of course it used some oh. other language very uh, high legalese but that is in effect what the court decided so in that case i would say the court did make law because the law before that judgment was radically, radically different from what the law was after that judgment. In that respect, the court absolutely makes law. Mm-hmm. But in that process, there are legally recognized tools and uh, techniques and uh, methods that it must use to to do this interpretive exercise, uh, which our courts, unfortunately, often do not do, which isn't why South Africa is uh, hurtling down this path towards socialism, Mm. because our courts are very uh, government-minded. They basically, uh, when government says we have this ideological mandate that we need to fulfill, our courts unfortunately agree with that and say, Mm. yes, you must do this, when in fact the Constitution does not provide for it, and the tools of interpretation do not allow for for that conclusion often. Um, So unfortunately, our courts... Have i guess dropped the ball a little bit when it comes to interpretation and they've ended up being especially the constitutional court being a third house of parliament in that it is passing its own laws which do not have any um basis in the constitution Mm -mm. so that's something that that south africans i would say should be quite concerned about um but but something that uh, we can't really do anything about other than wait for new judges to be appointed unfortunately
0: exactly Look, here's my next important question. This is probably one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. How does the constitution benefit and protect ordinary South Africans? Yeah, the listeners (laughs) listeners out there, please, you need to listen to this because this is is the most important question.
1: Yeah, so uh, we need to be careful and remember that a constitution is meant – uh, to limit and circumscribe the power of government and to the extent that it does this successfully as i as i've said which i think it does pretty pretty well not Not perfectly, but it does okay. Uh, In that respect, it is benefiting ordinary South Africans. So uh, where it says that government must pass a constitutional amendment uh, through a very strict procedure before it can expropriate your property without compensation, uh, in that respect is benefiting and certainly protecting South Africans. Mm. But many people, especially on the left, and then also on the right among conservatives, complain that, for example, if there are poor people or uh, their culture is somehow being undermined then the constitution is failing or not benefiting them mm. now we need to be clear that the constitution is not meant to make life easy for us or to give us what we want okay. a constitution exists to protect us from the excesses of state power okay. and that means yes even the best constitution will allow people to be poor uh, if if you are a destitute, the constitution is not going to to come to your assistance usually, because this is a market affair. Uh, whether you are poor or rich is something that well, that that's determined in the economy. How hard you work, how uh, how lucky you are to an extent, it is not a matter of constitutional law and uh of course under uh, under the best constitutions in the world a muslim might decide to open a mosque down the road and annoy you with their regular course to prayer the constitution is not going to come and say that muslim needs to go away because the constitution is not there to coddle us or to guard us against right. the realities of life right. uh, so that is a very important thing uh to remember and, and a lot of people on the left in south africa often complain that south africa got so-called political freedom in 1994 but not economic freedom and when they say this they mean that the constitution gave south africans individual liberty but did not make them economically prosperous and i think this is absurd because no constitution is meant to make people prosperous
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but, and then i think a very practical uh, uh implication of this is that uh when the constitution In fact, gave South Africans individual liberty. We became prosperous as a result. It's a downstream effect, and I I want to refer specifically here to average incomes. Uh, So the white and the Indian populations had apartheid ended basically immediately after apartheid ended, and that coincides with when uh, we we received the constitution. Um, Because they're finally uh, free to engage in the market without government micromanaging them, as the uh, apartheid government did, by saying where they may live, uh, in what jobs they may be. Without that, uh, Indian and white income skyrocketed. Unfortunately, the same did not happen really for for blacks and and colored people. Because shortly after apartheid ended, the new government adopted a set of labor laws and regulations, which still continues to this day. And uh, these interventions led to the plateauing of uh, black and colored incomes, uh, which also rose after apartheid ended, but only until these laws became Mm. operative. So so this means that the constitution itself, while it is not intended to make us prosperous, when it unshackled us from this interfering government, the apartheid government, we were finally free to pursue our own economic destinies and affairs, until, of course, government came again and imposed these strict, onerous labor laws uh, on us. And of course, the the, the 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 worst effect of these labor laws will always be on the poor. And the poor at that time was the, the black and the colored communities. Yeah. Uh, it's, of course, not to say that blacks and, and coloreds are, are economically are, can, just can't perform in the economy like whites and Indians. The point is that the new government saw its constituency as blacks mostly blacks, but also colored, that it wanted to help them. And I think as Ronald Reagan said, um, you should always be concerned if someone you and says they want to help because then you're in trouble Mm. Uh, government help is not going to help you rarely if ever because it's it's usually gonna have some unintended consequence that is going to hurt you even more so it's not the constitution's job to make us prosperous um, but it is a downstream consequence of good constitutionalism that we will become prosperous Except if the government screws it up, which in South Africa it did. Now I I, I guess I should get a little bit more specific about how the Constitution may uh, uh, protect ordinary South Africans, and uh, that is usually going to be the Bill of Rights. So that is Chapter Two of the Constitution, which sets out um, the it. protections for our rights. Um, yes. some of the notable ones are Section Six, uh, sixteen one, uh, right to freedom of expression um section i think uh 23 is the right to pursue your own profession your own career freely yeah. and government may regulate that but not prohibit it um uh, section 25 very important uh it's the right to own private property it is in terms of this provision that that you would for example uh Se- section try we we all, we all yes, know yeah.
0: section 25 <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i
1: would argue it's probably the most important provision in the constitution uh, because this is this is how this is where prosperity comes from private property if private property is protected then you are you are free to to uh, emancipate yourself from from poverty you're free to provide for your family uh, without the right to private property all of that falls Mm. away so that is a very important provision in the constitution Um, and unfortunately for most south africans a lot of these rights are out of reach because going to court is very, very expensive. That's it. Lawyers are yeah. very expensive. That's and it. even though we, we all have the, the right to access to justice, which it means to go to court, it's, it's, it's very difficult to get a private lawyer. You'll, uh, you'll usually need to get some uh, like I'm, a legal clinic, go to a legal yeah. clinic,
0: and so on. But, but how <laughs> many... I, I, I don't know. Is there people that still go out there to the courts and represent themselves? Does it still happen? Uh, so, I hardly see it happening.
1: I think it... I think it does. I, I cannot say for sure. You, you uh, in criminal trials, you have an absolute right to uh, to represent yourself. Um, I am not sure if this happens a lot in civil cases. I know, of course, in small claims court, uh, that you have to do it like that. In small claims court, yeah. you have to represent yourself. Um, but uh, when it comes to bigger, multi-million rand uh, challenges, I'm not sure that that. Um, that ordinary yeah. people probably feel comfortable doing it.
0: <laughs> but, the, but this is the thing that I'm saying like you just mentioned, people that can't afford it and, and I think people out like there must just exactly. edu- educate themselves on the Bill of Rights and then do the best to your knowledge if you can, represent yourself, you know
1: but, but, but yeah, we're, no, too, we, I, I, we're too I think that's, scared
0: that's, we're too scared we're too paranoid
1: it, <laughs> <laughs> You'd never be scared to learn, we, we should yes. never be scared to learn and I and I think uh, teaching oneself about, about law and uh, the constitution I, I, I guess I'm, uh, it's it's Rich coming from me. who studied law and he's doing a master's in law, but I don't think it's difficult. There is no sums to make. You don't have to know math. You don't have to be a grammar Nazi. You basically with it,
0: yeah. just have to read. Yeah,
1: you, just, you basically yeah. just have to read.
0: Yeah, Sorry. just read and familiar yourself with it. 100%. That, that's what I wanted. That question to me was the mind-blowing one. That South Africans, we can protect ourselves, but we just need to familiar ourselves with the Bill of Rights. Take the Bill of Rights, people. Yeah. It's there. It's on the internet. I mean, Martin's got a book. Go on the site. Get the book and read. Educate yourselves.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we, we can look to Americans uh, as a, as a shining example in this because – Many Americans really have a, an intricate understanding of their constitution, even though they are not lawyers. Mm. Be- it's because, in part, America has a very strong culture of constitutionalism. Basically, from birth, most American children patriotism. are taught about this. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's part it's, of patriotism. That it is, it's true, patriotism, and yeah. And they have civics, uh, civics classes where uh, children are taught in school about the constitution. Mm. We do, we absolutely do not have that in South Africa. I mean, we they don't. mention the constitution every now and then in life orientation, but they
0: never uh, really go into so, so the, in, the, the, the meat of it. So in America, the constitution is a subject. It's in the curriculum. Yeah. And we don't have it in our yeah, curriculum. Yeah. Look, I, I went to the bank the other day to pay myself an account and... There was this one guy there, and he was arguing and standing up and saying, "People, we must stand up." It was hilarious to see it. And I looked at him. I said, "You're right. You're right. We should actually go out there and learn our laws, learn our rights. We have rights, but we're just not practicing it." Then I looked at the bank yeah. teller, and and I asked her, "Do you know your rights? Do you know the constitution?" So she said, "I actually learned it in college." And I said, "Wow, well done, because I haven't. <laughs> I haven't, and I want to. I want to yeah. familiarise myself with it." And this is what I'm going to try yeah, and, and do with this podcast. I want to encourage people more to familiarize to themselves with the Constitution.
1: Yeah, and it, I mean, it's, it's, it's not something to be, to be afraid of. It's quite, it's quite easy because you do not have to. The Constitution is long, but it has a lot of things in it that ordinary people do not need to understand. You yes. don't need to know uh, the process of mediation between yeah, like the, general- the Houses of Parliament.
0: The general provisions that you don't have to know about. Yeah. Public administration. Yeah.
1: I think you need to know the Bill of Rights, which is short. You can read through it in an hour, and I think you can understand it. And if you don't, I think there are many places online you can just do a Google search, and there will be explanations. Yeah. For example, the, the the Department of Justice has a very useful, like uh, I guess, Bill of Rights guide, which explains the rights in the in the Bill of Rights in a very uh, a layman way, very easy for people to understand. There you go. Uh, let me. Yeah. F- find a link to that and then i will also share that link that's it's it's a, it's a good it's it's not something that you can take to, to court uh and say this is what the department of justice guide yeah. says but it's a, it's a good starting point you can read that understand what that says then you can read the real bill of rights that's and, and, and it's uh, basically
0: a constitution yeah. for dummies but people mustn't feel offended <laughs> we shouldn't feel offended <laughs> take the book it's it's a yeah. start it's a starting. You know, read it. And then as you educate yourselves, and you can actually read the proper thing. But you're right, 100%, Martin, 100%. All right, our next question. How many amendments to the Constitution are there?
1: Great. So uh, the Constitution has been amended 17 times. Uh, that's, that's quite a, uh, a lot of times. So this Constitution was uh, enacted in
0: 1996. Can, how can we, uh, so, wait, I'm going to stop you there. How, how can we compare uh, this to other countries? How many amendments have been made? Is, is okay, ours? so the uh, the, yeah.
1: the only other country that I can uh, name a number of off by heart is the United States, mm-hmm. which has had their constitution amended twenty seven times in two hundred and fifty years. Exactly. So that is exactly. the, the the proportion is far less. Um, but to, to be totally fair uh these amendments are not substantive amendments to our constitution yeah. they're mostly technical they changed the borders of uh the provinces they made like the chief justice the head of ju- the whole judiciary rather than just the constitutional court yeah. um they regulate floor floor crossing, so there are these amendments were not really substantive. They didn't really uh, affect our rights as South Africans uh, that much, if at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. The exception is the one that's staring us right in the face today, which is uh, expropriation without compensation, yeah. which is the current proposed amendment to the constitution, which will become known if it is passed as the Constitution Eighteenth Amendment Act of 2019, okay. uh, and that this will be the first time that the Bill of Rights is amended. Um, in South African history, mm-hmm. uh, so it's something that we should be very, very concerned about. Um, no. But the other amendments I don't think is something we need to, to worry too much about, although it yeah. is not a good sign in general that we are this, cons- this amendment yeah, the, happy. The,
0: uh, <laughs> there's one amendment that I'm worried about, it happened this week uh, in the security, where they're changing the gun laws, uh, something about semi-automatic. They're gonna take it away. So yes. only, so only cash and transit is allowed to use semi-automatic guns, and I, I'm, I'm yeah. concerned. I'm concerned about that one.
1: No, you, you definitely should be. So, but that is not a, that's not a constitutional amendment. That's just the law that they're passing. Okay. An amendment okay. to the, to the, I think they say the Private Security Industry Pri- Regulation Security. Act. Yeah. yeah. So the, the you should we should be very concerned about that law because uh, when. Uh, the 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 South African Police Service has now repeatedly said that it is unable to keep South Africans safe. It's yeah. not something that they're lying about. They're very clear about the fact that they are failing at their job. Yet at the very same time, they are trying to disarm South Africans. Exactly. So they're not only trying to take away uh, semi-automatic firearms from yeah. security companies. They're also trying to take away the the the. Um, the the reason for obtaining a firearm of self, self defense. Yeah. So the the firearm amendment the firearms control amendment act, which was leaked late last year said that they want to remove self-defense as a valid reason for obtaining a firearm license think how absurd that is totally so if you want to defend yourself you cannot get a gun but if you want to go sport shooting then you can get a gun it is absurd (laughs) it's silly uh and and i mean this this is a government that is that is totally open about the fact that it cannot protect us but now it also wants to take away our right to protect ourselves it's something that we should be very concerned and i guess this is another um bad part of our constitution we have no right to bear arms in america like americans do in the second amendment to their constitution which says that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed uh but in south africa we have no such thing which instead and i i mean you can you can read the constitution in a way and then say okay we actually do have the right to bear arms but the courts are going to laugh at you if you do that yeah um but we as it stands we have no right to bear arms and that means the government with a simple majority in parliament 50 percent of parliament plus one which the ANC has very easily um they can take away your guns right yeah. in, in an instant done so that's something we should be very it's very good. very concerned it's about good. and very uh very aware of because the moment they start down that route the only way to stop them is to create the massive amounts of outrage and demands and maybe uh, civil uh, action protests, yeah. uh, and and, I, and going to court is not going to help on this topic. If you are a gun-owning South African or you want to become a gun-owning South African, you need to be very aware of what the government is doing and you must be ready to take real practical action to stop the government from doing that exactly. rather than just saying or taking it to court.
0: The paperwork, the amount of time, it's just horrendous. It's crazy. But um, what I wanted to say is, I'm, I'm, I've joined the ZACP recently. Well, they still knew. And for the first time in my 25 years since we're a democracy state, this is the party that I want to support because I love what they stand for. And, yes, I know people have been making big war about the gun laws and that it's not about that. It's about you as an individual. Can you protect yourself from that? So all my podcasts, well, the recent ones I've mentioned, ZACP. ZACP, to you guys out there, Ramon and Kenton, whatever you guys are doing, I love it. You guys are awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so uh, a lot of political parties in South Africa do not take uh, self-defense seriously. They rarely mention it. Uh, The big parties all talk about, oh, we need to fix the police service. Hmm. Uh, No, I think you need to start and I think the ZACP gets this, them and the Freedom Front to a, a smaller extent. They get this. They say, you need to start with the ability to protect yourself. The police is very important. It's very important to have a good police force. But if you do not have the ability to protect yourself, then you've already failed. Then it's tickets. It's done already. You need to have the ability to protect yourself. And in South Africa, that means private citizens should be allowed to relatively easily, and I would argue very easily, get a firearm that shoots real bullets that can kill people. Because I promise you that criminals do not care what the gun laws say, they do not care if guns are banned yeah. completely because they will always have guns they, the will, black they will smuggle guns yeah they will smuggle guns across the border and they get guns from the police this is yeah. something that very few people yeah, know yeah, true, the police eh? yeah. the police proportionally proportionally to how large the police force is loses and i put it in scare quotes they lose these guns Far at a far higher rate than civilians lose or have their guns stolen. Hmm. So the police are the big culprits here. So even if all private guns are taken off the streets of South Africa, the police will not stop, quote, losing their guns to the criminals, and foreign uh, arms smugglers are not going to stop importing guns into South Africa. Even yeah. if we secure our borders. Tightly, that will not stop a criminal. A criminal wants to get something done as a criminal is going to get something done. We need ordinary South Africans like you and I yeah. to be able to own a firearm uh with uh, with very few exceptions. I think yeah. we can make a case for yes if you're insane yeah if you're a you have a criminal record, sure, but on the whole, ordinary people should be able to get a gun
0: easily look. I'm, I'm in the security industry okay, and, and I deal with this a lot. We arrest, we make a lot of arrests, and um, with unemployment rate right where it is. And you know, when we arrested people, whether it be in stealing, and, and I look at some of the people that we arrest, and I look at the way they dress, they dress neatly, they drive nice cars, and I asked him, why, why are you doing this? And, and I looked at him and I said, well, I, I guess I know the answer to it, but I want to hear it from you. And he said to me straight, I, there's no work, I have to pay rent. I've got two children to support. And it's exactly what the other criminals are there. They go and get guns. It's, it's become a full-time job. I mean, I know of instances uh, that the guy that stands at the gate or the guy that stands at the door, the guy that does the window shopping, they, it's like there's positions. Each of them have got positions. And they get paid according to a certain rate, right? You at this gate, you need to get paid so much. And you standing there, you need to get paid so much. It's a career. It's become a career, and that's how scary it is out there.
1: No. All
0: right, Martin. I've, yeah, how many minutes are we going to do this last question? I've kept you. Know, uh, yeah, you know? I
1: think we should talk about expropriation yeah. quickly. You, you've uh, been maybe. absolutely
0: <laughs> awesome. You've been awesome. <laughs> Go for it. What are the implications of expri- expri- <laughs> expropriation? with our conversation as an amendment to the constitution.
1: Okay, so let me uh, run through this pretty quickly because this is something I, I work quite uh, quite a lot with. Yeah. Um, so the right to private property in, in the constitution, section 25 currently says that all South Africans, regardless of race, are entitled to uh, have their property secure. So government may not arbitrarily deprive you of your property without, paying just and equitable compensation when it expropriates from you Mm -hmm. that and then the words "just" and equitable are very important here because it does not mean that they must give you market value now i as a libertarian argue that they must give you market value and then some even far more than market value Mm -hmm. but as far as the constitution goes they do not need to give you market value this means that the government the government's current existing power to expropriate is quite generous already Mm -hmm. so it may expropriate your property in the public interest or for a public purpose if you are paid just an equitable compensation this is an international standard in every country that is successful around the world when private property is taken the government pays if not market value it pays very close to market value Mm -hmm. and there's a very important reason for that because If they do not pay you compensation then they deny that you ever owned that property they basically take in many cases your livelihood away from you and you are left with nothing now in a rights respecting democracy this cannot be there needs to be an acknowledgement that government is taking this property from someone who has a prior claim a prior right to that property and in in the, the In in its attempt to make right the situation that it is creating by expropriating the property, it gives you money so that you can at least buy new property, carry on, do something else with the money that you're not uh, left a man of straw. Mm. Now what the government is currently doing, it is proposing expropriation without compensation and a lot of people are saying land expropriation without compensation. The constitution says. That property is not limited to land. Mm-hmm. So if this constitutional amendment uh, says that the government makes appropriate in, uh, in the public interest or for a public purpose and it, it, it uh, creates an exemption for, for compensation it says that government doesn't always need to pay compensation, this will probably apply to all property. Yeah. Your pension, your car, your house anything and everything that government wants, if it has some kind of uh, convoluted reason to do it for social justice or for the redistribution, it can take it. And we've already seen that government is very keen on getting pension funds, on uh, on getting um, getting into people's uh, money to, to bail out their failing bloody state-owned enterprises. So government probably has a far... More nefarious intention here than to just take land and to give that to people uh, to to its constituency, because that's the, the 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 government knows that it it it's gonna take far more than mere redistribution of land to solve South Africa's current problem, and mm-hmm. redistribution of land is not gonna solve anything. It's gonna make it even worse. It's gonna make it worse um, yeah. Be- yeah, it's gonna make it far worse. We've seen this in Zimbabwe. We've seen this in venezuela, in venezuela. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and it's it's usually it's usually because the government does not want to let go of ownership of that property. So in Venezuela and in Zimbabwe, what happened was the government expropriated it, and it either kept the property in its name and leased it out charge to so-called rent. farmer. Yeah, yeah rent. exactly. Yeah, uh, or or it gave it to its political friends. Um, th- that property will always fail because if you you have an incentive to develop that property to keep it in, in top shape and to use it productively if you do not own it if you're renting it that incentive while it is still there is far less that, that's and of exactly. course then we can talk about skills and and so forth there's, that government is not uh, yeah there's no joy um,
0: there's no joy in it because if you don't have a title deed no? you can't go to the bank and make loans because you need to buy feed Okay, I know we're, not, we're yeah. talking about farms, though, but it doesn't have to necessarily be farms. It could be a, a plant where you're making plastics. You know, you need to have that title deed. But without a title deed, what can you do? Absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then far more pertinently, uh, the fact is that if you know you received this property, which was taken without compensation from someone else, and you now have to farm it, why the hell would you invest your time and money into that property if you now know that the government can come tomorrow and take it from you again. Exactly. So it's like you you got this property for free. It's not like, okay, government is now not, never going to take it back from you. We're seeing it right now in Zimbabwe. Um, the new government is saying that it will give uh, expropriated farms back to white farmers. Do you think that the people who have been put on those farms since did not know that this was going to happen. Mm. Of course, they knew. They knew that, okay, I got this for free. Uh, I do not have any right to this property. I'm renting it. Government can come back at any moment and take it from me again. Now, Now, it's very important to see that this is what is probably going to happen in South Africa because the government declared in its, I think it's its 2013 state land policy document or something like that. It said that, it is going to stop um, transferring ownership of expropriated properties to new beneficiaries. It is instead going to keep it and rent it out. That is official government policy in South Africa as we speak sure. today, and that has not changed. Sure. So it's it's <clears throat> expropriation without compensation happens. The government is going to be like, oh, yes, what we're doing now is addressing the original sin Um we're uh, giving property back to to the people when in fact that is absolutely not what it's going to do it is going to rent it out and it's going to crash the economy of course this is
0: the thing the majority are not informed about this they have absolutely no exactly that's the scary part yeah
1: yeah yeah Ah. and it's 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 a total slippery slope because the moment we allow government to come in and, and fiddle with the right to property like this there are there is very little that's going to stop it to come in and for example uh uh, fiddle with the right to freedom of expression, yeah. and and something that this government is ver- will be very keen on, <sighs> and uh, which this will basically allow it to do in in a, in a political sense, is to take away the testing right of the courts. It can say that the courts can no longer. Uh, uh, stonewall government, uh, because that's that's not even part of the Bill of Rights. But the government can pass a constitutional amendment saying the courts should only be involved in criminal and civil cases. Yeah. If you challenge government in court, or if you challenge lo- a law in court, then the, the the Constitution can be amended to say that the courts can't do that anymore. And I think that's probably one of the things that government is getting very excited about, mm. because. If we signal to it that it's okay to start taking away our rights uh, in this way, then we're basically saying you can do it for other things as well. I mean, Truth. it's it's very naive to believe that it's going to stop at uh, at that property rights. And I think the moment the constitution is amended to provide for expropriation without compensation, that will, to an extent, be the end of constitutionalism in South Africa, because that uh, it's 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 just going to open. The floodgates, as it has in, in Zimbabwe, where a constitution there means nothing. Uh, it, it's 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 not even worth the toilet. It's not even worth the, the paper it's written on. It's right. less, less worthless than the toilet paper. And the same in in uh, Venezuela, which had a strong constitution yeah. before Hugo Chavez. And then they made these changes. And now you, you will not find one Venezuelan who cares, much less knows what their constitution says, because they know it's worthless. And we as South Africans need to protect the constitution against this. And we, we had an opportunity in this election. Unfortunately, we failed dismally because Mm -hmm. now government has the requisite majority. It has 66.3% of the national assembly. And that is what it needs. That that was my next question, the ANC and their friends. That was my next
0: next question. That that, according to the constitution, it needs two thirds of the majority. Yes. Is that is that yes, what's that, is, is that, is that what's happening
1: now? Yeah, so the uh, the let's say the pro expropriation alliance that is the EFF, ANC, ATM, uh, who else? Uh, some of these other obscure parties. They are pro expropriation and they uh, they give the government currently including, a two thirds majority, including
0: good Patricia's party.
1: It remains to be seen whether uh, the law is going to vote with the ANC on that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Probably now that she's a a member of cabinet. No, that was a shocker. But let's not.
0: Let's let's not dwell here. You're right.
1: Let's not. Let's not uh, uh, say that that she will do that. Maybe she won't. uh, But the point is, even if if her whole party doesn't, they still have enough. Uh, The ANC and the EFF alone, just the two of them have enough to amend the Constitution. So it's a a foregone conclusion that if they want to amend the Constitution, they absolutely can. Now, there is an argument that I am a proponent of, and which a few other people are a proponent of, Mm -hmm. to say that you actually need... 75% of the National Assembly to amend that provision.
0: I read uh, read that up yeah, yeah, 75%, yeah.
1: Yes. So the argument very briefly uh, relates to Section 1 of the Constitution. Now, Section 1 of the Constitution are the founding values. It says that South Africa is a sovereign democratic state founded, and there are many values, but I'll mention two, Mm -hmm. founded upon the advancement of human rights and freedoms and founded upon the supremacy of the rule of law. Mm-hmm. These are two values which, along with anything else in Section 1, can only be amended with a 75% majority of Parliament. So that's mm-hmm. higher than the two-thirds majority. Um, now, the argument that is that uh, me and others are making is that if you amend property rights in this way to provide for expropriation without compensation you are not only affecting section 25 which Mm -hmm. for which need a two-thirds majority you are also affecting section one because such an amendment means that south africa is no longer founded upon the advancement of human rights and freedoms, because you have now taken away a human right and a human freedom. And South Africa is no longer founded upon the supremacy of the rule of law, because by making this amendment, you're attacking what what is considered to be a historical element of the rule of law, which is the protection of private property, which uh, from the day of Albert Van Dicey has been seen as a component of the rule of law. Uh So that's very briefly the argument that me and others, a few others are making, but which the courts probably will not accept but it's an argument we make nonetheless that yes you need two-thirds the bill of rights but if you amend it in this way to actually not strengthen a right or to change a right but to actually weaken that right then you need more than a two-thirds majority you need a 75 percent majority now this is an argument that will probably be made in court uh, by someone uh, um if expropriation without compensation is is brought uh brought into law Mm -hmm. uh, and we hope that the constitutional court will say yes you're right uh, government actually needs 75 percent but i will not hold my breath for that i have very little faith in the constitutional court um, Mm -hmm. for various reasons Uh, it's always seem to be pro-government uh, rather than pro-individual rights so I, i'm not i'm not betting a betting man and i'm not saying that the constitutional court will agree but it's an argument we will have to make but what <laughs> ordinary South africans need to do and we're failing in this is we need to be continuously and purposefully outraged about anything related to expropriation without compensation. Absolutely. We are not talking about this enough. Uh, if, if, for example, imagine Donald Trump or the Democrats or whoever in America announced, we are going to amend the constitution to provide for expropriation without y- yeah. compensation. There would be, if not a civil war, There will be people in the streets every single day until they retract Mm. that idea completely. We are not doing that in South Africa. We are moving on. We're talking about corruption. We're talking about GDP. We're talking about SAA, ESCOM, Pravin Gordon. Good. We should be talking about expropriation without compensation every single day until this government says we are going to leave the constitution alone. And that means we need to keep barging yeah. Or banging this drum continuously and saying, no, we do not want expropriation without compensation.
0: i got, I got something that I want to share with you. I was watching the podcast Big Daddy Liberty uh, with Franz Grunier. And, uh, of course, I'm going to be paraphrasing here what he said. And this is what he said. And and I, I copied it down. I typed it down a bit. And exactly in everything you just said, this is this is what he said. You have to understand the deep origins of the problem. You cannot address it. To accept ideological framework that gives rise to this mad policy. Once you have done that, you need to educate people about it so they can begin to understand what it is. All politics and policy influences is about balance of power. If you can create balance of power in public opinion that pushes in one direction or another, you can make public policy follow. You need to shift the tide by using small arguments daily at a thousand times over to many people across the globe. Franz Kronier. Franz Crenier, that was awesome what he said there. Absolutely mind blowing. Uh,
1: yeah. It's 100% correct. A lot of people think that their voice does not count. They're mm. going to be one voice in a sea of a million. Now, let me let you in on a little secret here. Yeah. The civil, civil society in South Africa. The amount of voices that there already are is not 55 million i think that number is far closer to something like a thousand so if you look at people who are influencing not people outside government people Mm. who are really influencing where government goes i think that number is around a thousand maybe max ten thousand south africans who are like journalists academics Ordinary people with uh, with a blog, these are people who are influ- having a true influence on where government goes. It's not 55 million. Yeah. That means that if we can get from your show, if if 100 people listens to, to listen to this show, and only 100 people, for example, each write a 500-word article saying why expropriation without compensation is a bad idea, mm-hmm. and they get that published in blogs, in the rational in, uh, as letters, that can truly, really shift public uh, public policy totally. Yes. It can really have an Absolutely. effect, and this is something that people do not believe. And and I, I promise you, it is it is a hundred percent true. You, as an ordinary South African, can do a hell of a lot if you go on podcasts if you write articles and you just write something on twitter or on facebook saying giving your opinion you can as an individual actually change the direction of public policy now if a hundred of us all say expropriation of our compensation is bad that can truly shift public opinion and it can shift public policy
0: you know what the power of podcast is eh? My podcast, i viewed the analytics some time ago, is viewed in Vietnam, America, UK, Australia, uh, even Switzerland. <laughs> My podcast has been listened in quite a few countries and it, it amazes me, it amazes me how far the power of podcasting can do. Eh? It's a brave new world. <laughs> yeah, it's a brave new Martin, okay, I'm, I'm going to cut you there. Um, I think I've taken up too much of your time already, but um, you have been absolutely awesome. Awesome I've
1: enjoyed every moment
0: uh, of it. <laughs> you know, to the listeners out there, this is absolutely brain boggling. I mean, guys, really, if you if you guys don't take atten- pay attention to what Martin's been saying, here, then you were fool. Then you were fool. Uh, Martin's right, and even Francois and what he said there, a thousand voices th- th- over and over and over. You know, just just do it, man. Don't don't hesitate. Just do it. Martin, thank you very much. Um, yeah, yeah. You have a lovely yeah. afternoon. I'm I'm gonna have a bra now. I need, I need to I'm going to get some meat. I'm going to braw because that's what we do on a Saturday afternoon. We braai. <laughs> oh,
1: of course. Now thank you very much Jason. I I enjoyed every moment of this and I hope to be back in the future again.
0: 100%. Thank you very much um Martin. I'm, I'm just I'm going to cut and then I'm going to come back to you. Okay. Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. One Oh, sorry. One more thing. My podcast is available on Apple, Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, Pocket Cast. I will put this also on YouTube tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll upload it. So yeah.